Thank you and good morning. Thank you everyone for being here. Uh, as we said, we're speaking today about AI, uh, one of the biggest conversations happening, uh, maybe one of the coolest conversations happening, and I'm pretty sure everyone's heard about uh, ChatGPT. But let's rewind a bit, basically back to the 1950s when John McCarthy found in something called artificial intelligence. He's said to be the father of AI, but he also has a team of scholars around him who also worked around defining what AI is. And what it basically is, is the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks normally requiring human intelligence. And that's a key word for the rest of the discussion, so let's keep it in mind, the human intelligence. And then such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision making, and translation between languages. So it basically all starts from the human brain. And the human brain is as simple as this to some. The left part is responsible for your cognitive thinking, for your decision making, for a, bit of ra for a bit of rational decisions. And the right part is responsible for that feeling, the emotional part of your decisions. But in reality, the brain is a mix of both. And once you combine them, you come up with something called the wise mind. The rational mind basically depends on what makes sense. It's very, let's say, black and white, very data-driven. And it also compares current and past experiences. Very applicable in the field of law, for example. They always go back to a precedent or a recent case in which they can refer to a certain judge, uh, a certain, sorry, outcome or a verdict. And it also suppresses emotions. Going to the emotional side or the creative side of the brain, it's about what feels good. You know, this feels good, I'm going to go ahead with it. You know. A lot of the gamblers, if you have any gamblers in the room, they'll be like, you know what, I have a good feeling about this, I'm just going to put this. There's no rational thinking behind it. Once you combine those, you take into account the data, the knowledge, previous experience, plus the emotion of what feels good, what feels human at some times. Because with AI, you know, as it keeps on going and the discussion keeps on going, we always skip the fact that we can think a little bit with some emotion or with some human um, sentiment. So I think 2022, 2021, COVID, all the repercussions, but basically AI with ChatGPT has been taking over and this is what's happened basically. NFTs are no longer being discussed, the metaverse is sinking, but everyone's talking about AI, ChatGPT. But to be very honest, we went back to the 1950s. This has been a very long time ago. This is a, 70 years ago in which we were talking about AI, in which we were talking about what it would bring to the table, the uses of it. So everything that comes along sometimes is the result of AI. And as we see how AI is evolving, it's now much more accessible. It's as simple as register, and then you can just simply play around. So you can go to ChatGPT now and start playing around. It can even point out some of the people on Twitter or Instagram. You can even ask them about their opinion. And this word, ask them about their opinion, is a very important word for the coming part of the topic. And obviously for the sake of this presentation or for the sake of this discussion, I asked ChatGPT, because you know, you're sometimes thinking of a presentation, you hit a stall. So I told ChatGPT, 
tell me something smart I can say in my keynote. I want to sound smart. And this is what ChatGPT said. One smart thing you could say in your keynote about AI is that although AI has made significant advancements in recent years, it still lacks the ability to truly understand human emotions and context in the same way that humans can. Look at how many times the word humans comes up. This means that even the most sophisticated AI systems still require careful monitoring and human oversight to ensure they are making ethical and accurate decisions. Therefore, while AI can be incredibly powerful, it is not a replacement for human intelligence. Convinced? I wasn't. So I went and asked, what else? Still don't feel smart enough. This answer was a little bit more, um, let's say, inclusive. As it says, AI, as AI continues to evolve and become more integrate, in, integrated into our daily lives, it's important to remember that the data that the AI systems rely on is not always neutral or unbiased. It's just a set of zeros and ones, basically. There's no opinion, there's no feeling, there's no emotion. And biases can be introduced into the AI systems. So it means that the human intervention that can come in would introduce a certain bias to these systems. And to combat this, it's important to ensure that AI systems are trained on diverse data sets and that data scientists are aware of potential biases and take steps to mitigate them. I think we all remember that um, Elon Musk uh, with Joe Rogan's session about AI. And there was this specific, it was five years ago, but a specific thing that Elon Musk said in that, he's like, I asked them to slow it down. He says that, I asked them, and I asked them to regulate it. But who will regulate it? Isn't the first person who founded it or the person that's developing the fastest when it comes to AI, the person that's going to put their bias into it? Does that mean that the likes of ChatGPT would be partial when they recommend their decision? And I'm pretty sure that everyone here is wondering the same thing I did, is are you here to take my job? Am I going to have a job in five years? And ChatGPT said, no, okay, that no, they're not capable of taking a human job away, and that it has made great progress in the previous years, it's still limited and cannot replica replicate the full range of human intelligence and creativity. And we all know that we, as humans, usually, if we're lucky, we use 8 to 11% of our actual brain, and then the rest is all stored in the subconscious mind. But AI is designed to assist humans in their work and not replace them. And AI systems require human oversight to ensure that they are functioning as intended. Something typically your competitor would say, someone who would probably take your job, is that, no, I'm not here to take your job. So, second is we're already using AI. We've been using AI for so long now. How many of you here have used Google Maps to come to the uh, to come to, uh, STEP conference? Google has also developed, so at first they had people just writing code that would keep on feeding into the system so they can quickly reply to you, and they would always credit themselves search results in 0.01 seconds. But now, let's assume you are, you're a big fan of football, as I am, and you say, where is Lucille Stadium? One of the biggest stadiums, or the biggest stadium from the Qatar 2022 World Cup. It shows you where Lucille Stadium is. But then the moment you start, what is the Dhaka? It tells you capacity of Lucille. So it starts this predictive text, and this is all AI. 
and we've been using it for years now. As marketers and advertisers, we've been playing around with AI through machine learning. All of those ad servers you go on to are learning the consumers, are learning the data sets that are available to serve those ads, to give you a better targeting option, to help you reach your bullseye audience, whatever you want to call it. And then finally is creating audience segments. And this is a very important part, is how do you segment your audiences? How do you create that human appeal of your product or service or brand? How are you able to create audiences that are in market, whether you'd like to use a vertical funnel or a horizontal funnel, and how do you create those audience segments? I think I need to move closer, yeah. And then we have to always remember that AI is only a tool. This is your typical, let's say average, um, go back. So this is your typical or average consumer journey. The most basic consumer journey, awareness, consideration, purchase, retention, and advocacy. Where does AI play, play a role here? Anyone care to venture? Anyone would say, where does AI play a key role in the traditional, let's say, path to purchase or the consumer journey? Anyone else? There's no right or wrong answers. It's, it can also be a matter of opinion. Okay, so this brings me to a small example before I step into that. Is that we always look into saying AI. So AI is data. And as we said, the wise mind looks into both. So you need to take your intuition into account. Einstein himself, E equals MC squared, stressed on the importance of intuition. Always said that intuition is basically at the base of things. Going back to the consumer journey, AI currently plays a key role, and I'm not saying AI doesn't play a role when it comes to uh, retention, awareness, or advocacy, but mainly in consideration and purchase, because this is where mainly the data signals are of your in-market audience. When has the audience raised their hand saying, I'm in market for the specific product or for the specific service? In awareness, I've heard awareness. Awareness is a very, I'll say, kind of flexible, rubbery word. And why is that? Is that because awareness itself dissects. The moment you go into a deeper understanding of the awareness, it goes into awareness, into education, into top of mind, into so many separate, um, you know, smaller segments of what you actually want to achieve. You do, for example, a brand lift survey, and you see how many questions you can ask that are all related to awareness. But then once you step into consideration, once you start browsing, and I'm pretty sure everyone here is like, oh, it's appearing on my Instagram, oh, it's appearing on my, I was talking about this, and now it's appearing on my Instagram, it's on my Twitter feed. Well, these are the digital signals, this is where AI is working so fast. And then the moment you go into the purchase phase, you're going into search, you're going into the lower, let's say, fun, part of the funnel, is where AI is working best to try and convert you. You've, you've bounced back, no, come back, you need to purchase. You're buying a ticket from Emirates, they'll tell you, the moment you drop off, you've, you're checking rates. Flight to Beirut, you're checking rates. You bounce back, Ali, don't miss on this offer. Flights to Beirut, as cheap as. And then retention and advocacy, in my own opinion, I believe, takes a lot of the human brain, takes a lot of the human sentiment. Porsche, you, Porsche do this amazing thing, is that they remember the customer's birthdays. They customize, they personalize. And that makes you build 
without even realizing this relationship, this human relationship with a brand. And that's why the human touch in those three stages is much more important than having, you know, having AI make the decisions for you. And ChatGPT admitted they can't make that emotional or unbiased decision. So basically, AI plays an important role here. If we dig a little bit deeper into a more complex consumer journey, which is travel, much more complex, anyone care to venture a guess of when you actually start considering your next trip? Zina, you can't say because you know. Please go for it. When you know your vacation is coming up. Anyone else? Correct. The moment you, you come back, it's the last day, it's the blues, you know, I'm going back to work, reality hits you. That's the moment you actually start thinking of your next break. And this is research back, this is research tracked. You start thinking of the next trip. So is, aren't Emirates, aren't uh, Booking.com, aren't uh, Viagogo, Skyscanner, aren't they better off targeting you the moment you come back? And everyone drops the digital signals once they come back from a trip, because the IP knows you're based in Dubai, you've spent this great time in Italy, and then you've come back, you've posted all those pictures on Instagram. So the, the algorithm, the AI knows that you've come back from vacation. And this is the perfect timing because you're dreaming. And that is part of the awareness phase. But AI doesn't account for it. It doesn't account for the dreaming phase. Oh, I can't wait for the next trip. Oh, I can't wait to go on. You know, I planned this trip in June. I can't wait till the day comes. So you're already in market. You're already thinking of it. All you need to do is have that right mix of the emotional and the rational coming together so you can better target. And before AI takes over the world, let's utilize it in marketing and advertising. Let's see how we can use current tools. Let's see what we're using and how we can better use them. So I've segmented this into three, let's say, three key players in the advertising and marketing industry is for strategists. So if you're in strategy, if you're someone who's a planner, if you're someone who, who looks at, if you're working in an agency and you do your AOPs, you want to always depend on research data to draw meaningful insights. And when we say meaningful insights, we mean something that you can actually materialize. I can easily give you a, an insight about, again, you're talking about travel, and I'll give you this great insight about healthcare. It might not balance, but it might also play a role, and it played a huge role during COVID times. Second is, never forget to look at quantitative research. What your customer wants is right there in the, in the uh, qualitative, I misspelled that actually, qualitative research. So what your consumer is looking at is actually embedded in those words, the words they drop. We all use monitoring tools to monitor social, uh, to monitor social sentiment and so on and so forth, and it's always there and then be more proactive. Take that step forward. We always, I'm pretty sure if you, if, you, if you work in an agency or if you work in the industry, you always step back into what's safe. Oh, I gotta report numbers to management. But always keep that small kind of 20%, just 20% to 25% to test, to trial something new. Because that might hit for you. Big example of Wendy's, they're like, you know what? We can't battle McDonald's anymore. We can't play that game. They have a bigger team, they have the bigger budgets. They went with savagery, and they're like, you know what? We're just going to become savages online. And the traction coming from that is huge. Burger King is another example. 
burn the, we've all seen burn the ad, we've all seen you know, um, the Burger King detour, and all of these are just gutsy approaches that have yielded massive results for them. Two of those used AI, and this is how long we've been using AI in our advertising and in, our, in marketing. For brands and advertisers, the wise mind would understand the consumer slash user, so we can account for the services, the emotions, and take them into consideration. A lot of the times we feel this very dry approach. Take, this is a product, take it. I don't care how you, what you like it. I, don't, I know there's competitors. But what brands and advertisers are failing to understand is that the consumer is spoiled for choice nowadays. You're, e you're easy to switch off. Everyone here, if you, if you live in Dubai or you live in the GCC, we're spoiled for choice. Talabat, Deliveroo, Zomato, for some, all of these players in the market, Kareem, Noon, the moment Deliveroo pisses you off, you know what, I'm deleting the app, I'm going on Talabat. So the consumer is spoiled for choice and they'll keep on being spoiled for choice. So you need to take their emotions seriously. You need to account for that. Second is always account for these emotional triggers and keep an eye on trends. Not every trend is a trend you should jump on. Not every trend is a trend your brand fits. Look at how the algorithm works, because again, it has no emotion. And my deepest condolences to everyone that was affected by the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey. But you see some advertising, some more content coming up about earthquakes. I'm not interested. It's a scary thing to look at. You know? Tens of thousands of people have lost their lives, and you're trying to kind of push your agenda. You see those scholars that currently go on a platform, talk about it. Don't promote it on Twitter. I, don't want to, I saw a promoted tweet by one of by a geologist who promoted his tweet talking about earthquakes. So not every trend is a trend, and this is not a trend, it's a, it's a, it's a global event that happened. You can play down COVID now, because COVID, because we were vaccinated, whether you believe in vaccinations or not, or whatever, but the world has recovered from lockdown to what we're at now. So you can, I think there's a bit of playing room there now, but back then it was scary. So there has to be, again, as Elon Musk said, some regulation to it. And then finally, build on previous work. If it worked, try to replicate and improve. Don't do the same thing over and over again. If it failed, that's great. Learn from it. Monitor those campaigns. Monitor what's happening with your advertising. Let it see. If you've done something wrong, learn from it. Put it as part of your guidance. It becomes part of your playbook. And finally, for content creators, if anyone here is interested in producing content, whether you travel, food, whatever, sports, you can start cutting, cut writing times with tools like ChatGPT. Great. There are so many tools. There's Iris AI, by the way, for strategists, iris.ai. It's a great research tool. I've used it twice, and I used to always spend two to three days just doing a lot of reading, preferring preparing for an, for an RFP or for a pitch. And Iris just gives you this kind of core data that you want. Because I ask a question like any human would. I'm not going to go ask a specific question that Statista is going to look up for me and then I'm going to start browsing those big documents from Statista. No, no, no. Iris AI is a great tool for strategists. For brands, if I may just track back a bit, for brands and advertisers, you're already using AI, but not correctly. You're relying heavily on the algorithm, which is AI-powered to let it do the work. You go on Google and you see your optimization score. 
it's like it's, like it's a competition. I want to hit 100%. But hitting 100% isn't necessarily the best thing to do or isn't necessarily the best thing for your campaign or for your advertising that you're doing. So you need to optimize those tools. You need to always keep a human eye on them or else they keep on just doing what Google has fed them to do and Google has told them to spend more money. So eventually, you're going to spend more money. Going back to content creators, verify this text from ChatGPT with Grammarly. Copy, paste it, put it on a Word document. If you have Grammarly, it'll fix it. But then read it. Read it. Make sure you go through it. Make sure to edit that content and look at the final message. Because I'm loving it of McDonald's, for example, has come after so much research. And they understand that there's a dirty pun to it. But they understand that at least this would strike. They understood that the power of three would work. And that's why they chose three words. They could have said, I am loving it. That's four words. But then they've also accounted for something called the power of three. And finally, for content creators is, always put yourselves in the receiver's seat. How am I going to portray this message? How will I look at this message coming in? If I'm the, because we always forget as advertisers, as strategists, as content creators, what I want to say. And you know what? You can live with it. You can deal with it. But the reality is, you need to put yourself in the receiver's seat. I always say this for, I'm a big football fan, so I always say this, is that pundits just start feeding people something and they don't understand that the people, the receiver would take it and they'd repeat it. So there becomes a lot of this, you know, let's say wrong understanding of a certain play or of a certain strategy. Because someone has said it on TV, they're supposed to have credibility, it becomes something that people repeat and go on and on with it. So always keep the receiver in mind. Is this gonna, if you're preaching a room full of smart individuals like yourselves, you can up the language. But if you're teaching fifth graders or if you're teaching people who are ignorant about the topic, you need to take them through kind of the baby steps. You need to do a lot of hand-holding. So basically, to recap, explore the tool of AI that suits you, but never stop putting your human touch to it. Even the moment they say that we've fed it data sets, we saw what happened in the elections. Everyone followed through with that. We saw that you can tamper with the algorithms to let them pass on a message, Trump good, Clinton bad. Trump good, Clinton bad. And it worked. And it worked. It actually got him presidency. So we need to understand that whatever we're doing takes into account that human emotion and that we never just fully rely on AI. Or as Elon Musk said, they're going to take over and that they're more dangerous than nuclear weapons. That's it for me. Thank you.